Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors. Uh, welcome in. Mark Cox here along with my partner, Bo Matthews, and producer Carl Middleman. Hi. Yeah, we're uh, glad you're with us. Uh, we had a fun week, didn't we? I mean, talking about the Great Outdoors, the snow that didn't really happen here in Metro St. Louis, and certainly what? can't say that down in Farmington, <laughs> can they? Dude, we had eight inches out on our place. I mean, that's south of the city. My that, was a, that was a thin line, wasn't it? I, I guess it was. You didn't but have hardly any snow at your place? It, it barely covered the snow at my house and oh. in Wildwood, and you're in High Ridge, and, I mean, as the crow flies, you're, what, 10 miles from me, and you got Not eight bad. inches? Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, that uh, it was, was crazy. It was, it was great snowball weather. Oh, yeah. uh, it was going to be too warm to make a snowman, but uh, great, heavy, heavy snow. Uh, it was a mess. As a matter of fact, uh, our mailboxes got wiped out uh, because the, the roads were slick out this way. Um, so I'll be repairing that before the end of the week. Um, but yeah, it was it was snowmageddon for some of us. So you didn't point to a culprit there, did you? Do it? Did your wife do it? Or no, did a I, I don't do even. It? The, the 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 stranger uh, already they hit it and they got their vehicle out of there before anybody knew anything. It happened oh, overnight. So okay, uh, this will be my third one. I'll have to be replacing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bo and I actually don't live that far apart, and we decided we were going to, Bo called me up and goes, hey, let's go get a beer and watch some cornhole, which we talked about last weekend, and uh, maybe do the BB gun shoot uh, down at the Eagles in, in Eureka, and I'm Heck like, yeah. oh, that's fine, so I showed up down there, we got the day wrong. We, I text you we. Sunday morning like, hey, I got the afternoon open. Let's finally you know, catch up, have a cold one, and uh, you made it there before I did. So Rick Hinkson, I haven't even communicated with him yet, but I'm sure it was a great event on Saturday. Yeah. Of course, we were there on Sunday, but uh, we stopped by Ola's for a cold one. It was it was fine. Good, good to hang out a little bit. Day late and a dollar short, weren't we, Bo Matthews? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, my, that's, my, <laughs> mo- that's my motto right there. Um, hey, speak- uh, you know what? No, I was going to say, speaking of uh, of Eureka, you've got your poker bash coming up, right? It's it's coming in quick, and people are like, oh, it's way out in March. I will tell you that we are almost to the end of uh, January, 
This month is going to go by quick, March 5th at the Eureka Community Center. So it's a new location for the 7th Annual Big Dogs Poker Bash. It's a Texas Hold'em game for the public to come out, and it backs the blue. Uh, the Eureka Police Officer Support Fund, which I'm uh, vice pres- I'm co-vice president of that organization. And uh, Chuck Mayer is the president of the group, and we've raised a lot of money over the years. Scholarships, we're going to be paying for a lot of the uh, new Eureka Police Department's uh, workout area, gym area. And this event is a great game, and it also has a huge silent auction. So if you're a business and you want to donate maybe a basket or a, an item or a service, gift certificate, please contact me through Facebook. Just search Bo Matthews. Send me a message. We'll connect. And uh, if it's a big enough donation, I'll come out and do a video for your company. Uh, but you can get signed up while you can because this uh, event does uh, sell out. March 5th, Sunday, 7th Annual Big Dogs Poker Bash. Just go to Facebook and punch in 7th Annual, and it'll pop up right in front of you. Sign me up you if there. you haven't already, Bo Matthews. I'm going to be there. It was a great time last year, and it's, it's it for a great cause. Yeah, and uh, we're going to put a bounty on you again, <laughs> uh, and you won't be juggling your anniversary weekend or whatever that was last year. That was let me under, Let me explain what a bounty means when you're at Bo's Poker Bash, <laughs> the big dog poker <laughs> bash. They're like, all right, if you knock this guy out, like they put a target on your back. If you knock this guy out, you get a $50 bonus or something like that. I had a, I had a bonus. I had cash on my head. So, of course, yeah, everybody's trying to knock me out. I mean, it, that uh, there you go. It's all for But it's cause. not a target on your back. It's more fun. It's Mardi Gras beads. We, you know, we, and we don't make you do anything for those. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You're not required to uh, to show any skin, so you're, you're in good shape, which is a blessing <laughs> for all the people there, in my case. My goodness. For sure. Yeah. Hey, Bo, you know, I'll look forward to that, and uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. I, I did, uh, speaking of Second Amendment stuff, on my show this week on 97.1, we ran several... Uh, sound bites with people from these shootings out in California. Terrible tragedies. Of Horrible. course, it didn't fit the mainstream media narrative. That didn't matter to the White House or to gun grabber Gavin Newsom out in California. They Isn't ran to weird? the cameras. They said, this is gun violence. We've got to stop gun violence. We're going to ban more weapons. Then we find out that the gun that was used by the criminal who committed the shooting in the Asian community at the dance hall was using a gun that had been banned in California, which begs the question, how did he get his hands on that gun? Well, that's well, impossible. I know. No, it's impossible. Should it be impossible. Yeah, um, uh, Illinois, are you hearing that? Uh, no more violence after the guns are, uh, are are banned in your state. Good news for you, right? Greg Gutfeld, uh, so Greg Gutfeld make a great point on this this week. There's a reason that guy's got the number one evening show, right? He's like... They treat guns like they sprout legs and stand up and run into a place and fire themselves instead of focusing on the criminals who commit the crime. In both of these cases, uh, this was in this. They both unfortunately happened to be in the in the immigrant community in the China. uh, I believe it was the Asian community down south. I'm not sure where the guy was from up north, but I believe he was also an Asian immigrant and. One was a workplace shooting. He was mad at his coworkers. Um, the other one, he he would had some, they think some dispute with somebody at this dance hall, maybe a former girlfriend or something like that, and just went crazy. Now both of them committed murder, which is against the law. However you do it, if you do it with a hammer or a knife or a car, doesn't matter. But they've got to push gun control. And and there here we go again, just like in the city. Right. 
You've got those juveniles who were arrested. They had both of them. First of all, it's illegal for them to have a gun. Second of all, one of the guns was was a known to be stolen. The other one was a Glock that had been modified with that uh, thing on the back that when you pull the trigger, it basically empties the magazine, right? Right, right. And they got released to their parents the same day So because they were juveniles. The case was mishandled. Maybe they shouldn't have been let out, but they were. So we've got a major problem in this country. Everybody wants to focus on the gun. They don't focus on the criminals. You know, the old saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Uh, this comes down to words. Matter of fact, uh, I, I saw Colian Noir, who's a, a Second Amendment uh, advocate and uh, a celebrity in his own right in this world, and he had a whole bunch of his pistols in a, in a locked case, and he opens it up, and he starts flicking the handles, and he's like, assault me, assault me, assault me, and, <laughs> and, not, and they weren't doing anything, and that's why I would refer to my firearms, and any law-abiding citizen should refer to their firearms as, uh, as defense uh, weapons, not assault weapons, their defense, because you and most of everybody that listens to this program and uh, believes in the Second Amendment, they're not nuts and they're not uh, going to assault anybody. It, it's for defense. So my def- my defense firearms is exactly what they are. Bo Matthews, if when we were having a cocktail at uh, Ola there in Eureka, I had yeah. picked up your very large margarita glass and hit you on the head with it. It would have been an assault margarita in some people's <gasps> it minds. Would have. You know what I'm saying? It would have. Wouldn't have been Absolutely. my fault. It would have been the glass of margarita's fault. Isn't that crazy? As long as you it, can it, wrap it's, your it's, brain around that. It's 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 just it's just maddening to me that uh, that just words the narrative that's what we come up with the narrative they are going to pitch it and what's crazy is mainstream media has not moved that story the California story at all but st louis has their own issues and uh, and really you have to be aware of your surroundings at all times the horrible situation where the woman was shot um and and then was, was it her there was a couple of stories when you get out of the store and you sit down in your car we're not supposed to text and drive so a lot of people will grab their phone and start looking at it right yes that's what you're supposed to do now you got to change that you got to you got to change your tactics you need to drive away and get home to a safe spot or work that's when you should check your mind. I mean, it's the, it's that quick of a, a, a time frame the good that news, could change or end your life. The good news we learned this week from Jefferson City's perspective is that the Republicans down there are focused on the crime problem in St. Louis. And in fact, there's a legislator from Joplin uh, who's a former police chief who's introduced a legislation that would allow the governor to appoint a basically a special prosecutor to coexist alongside Kim Gardner, the circuit attorney who does nothing in the city of St. Louis, who 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 doesn't prosecute nearly enough crimes or, is, it, or if she does, is unsuccessful in the courtroom. And the, the, it would allow the governor to appoint a special prosecutor who could investigate and charge first and second degree murder cases and first and second degree assault cases and things like that. Things that Kim Gardner's ignoring. So that's yeah. good. I, I, it's got the Speaker of the House, uh, Dean Plocker. It's got his support, and I would think it's probably got a decent chance of becoming law. I hope. Uh, you know, trying to keep up with all these stories just around St. Louis. There was a. Uh, uh, I was on Fox 2's app, and in the story, I'm reading the story, and a line that just it just like moved me. It says, at current rates over the next four years, more people will have been murdered in the city of St. Louis under local control 
than were killed on 9-11. And I mean, I about fell over when I read that. Um, that's pretty powerful yeah, we to talk, know that the, it's it's that out of control. We talked to Joe Steiger with the St. Louis Police Officers Association, and the, as an association, they're fully in support of the state taking over control of the St. Louis Police again. They called it a failed experiment. Because you've yeah. got too many local politics are involved in it now. The people that 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 want to defund law enforcement have had their way. They're they're short staffed. They're low on morale. They're ready to give it back to state control. So we'll see what yeah. happens. That bill is pending in Jeff City. Uh, it hasn't had any votes yet that I know of. That statement right there. Uh, the government using uh, humans as an experiment. <laughs> <laughs> what a concept that is. Oh, I tell you what. Yeah, that's the truth. It's heavy, man. It really is. Uh, you got to you got to be really you got to be really careful. Well, we got a great show for you with a couple of uh, guests that are going to uh, talk about a lot of things. Alec Baldwin's uh, situation from a year ago on the uh, scene, uh, the site of Rust, the filming of that movie where the actor's prop gun fired a live round that injured uh, the director and killed a cin- cinematographer. Well, he is being charged with involuntary manslaughter. So we're going to talk with Frankie Gambaletti, executive producer and owner of Shift Films, uh, coming up here in just a moment. Plus. There's mountain lions in Missouri, and we're going to get to the bottom of that as well. It's coming up on Second Amendment Radio and the great outdoors. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It is Second Amendment Radio in the Great Outdoors with Mark Cox, Bo Matthews here, Carl Middleman, our executive producer. Pew, pew. And this 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 segment, I heard it this time. This segment is brought to you by Razorback Armory, featuring the Sig Sauer P322. They got a great special on it, and it's a it's a wonderful firearm if you're looking for something to uh, take to the range. They've got that Mantis X. They sell that as well. Find them at RazorbackArmory.com, but they're right there in De pair. They are your gun concierge. We welcome our guest, Frank Cambaletta. He's the executive producer and owner of Shift Films. And, uh, of course, uh, recent news is about Alec Baldwin's situation. Uh, Welcome to the show, Frankie. How are you? I'm good, sir. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining us on this uh, this uh, show because, you know, a lot of people are asking, will Alec Baldwin do time? And you don't have to answer that right away. But uh, uh, what do we know at this point? Uh, because yesterday he was, uh, or a couple of days ago, he was seen in the Hamptons getting, you know, takeout. <laughs> yeah. Well, it still needs to go to a formal trial and stuff. Indicted, you know, he's indicted, but it doesn't mean that, you know, he he's 
he's been proven to a certain degree that he is guilty of it. And this is like the great prediction I made last time we were on the phone. I mean, you can't you can't be an executive producer and not get you know convicted of this. I mean, this is your this is your baby. This is your set. Um, not having the specific tools, the right people, the union. I mean, all the things that were going wrong on that set, it was just bound to happen. I actually got to um, got to L.A. in February and, and was able to visit, um, uh, you know, her gravesite and stuff and leave flowers with my fiance. So I, I think that when you look at it from the perspective of is Saturday Night Live going to do a skit on this, um, that would be wonderful, I would think. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, we need to start holding people accountable for bringing live firearms on set. But also, it's the negligence of his own set to try to save money when, you know, like you said, you know, you're, you're having cake out in the Hamptons, but you can't afford to have a set for the movie that you... So it's a culmination of everything that people feel that they're untouchable, especially the woke left. They feel that they're untouchable, that they can get away with these crimes, but they can't. At the end of the day, somebody was left dead and another person severely injured um, and a person that was in her prime as a cinematographer. So I, I think that people need to take, you know, take a step back and say, you know, does this person deserve to go to, to prison? I think that you got to take away the fact that he's famous, right? If this was any other person on a set, yes, he does prison time. It's manslaughter. Um, so I think you have to look at it from the perspective of take away all the celebrity, take away all the Twitter stuff, take away all the other stuff that he's done, and you have to look at it from from that perspective. Yeah, you have to you have to wonder you have to wonder if they will, Frankie. I don't know. Uh, Mark Cox here. I I've uh, wanted to have you go back and maybe revisit. You you brought up the idea of having a live gun on a set. The guns are real. The question is having live ammo on the set. Correct. That's correct. I mean, you would need an armor. First of all, you would you would need to really structure this with. So I'm I'm in I'm involved in a new film called Murphy's Gulch here in St. Louis, um, and I'm the production designer on it. So that's a different role for me, right? I'm wearing a different hat. And my first question is from a product from a from a production design standpoint: Are we using weapons? Are weapons going to be on the set? And of course, the answer is no. But there is a death on set, right? There is a there is a, there is a visual part of this film that somebody is going to die, and so we have to basically. Um, put together um, not only EMS, EMT, you have to have pre- visual people there because that set, no matter how you're going to do it, no matter how you're going to fake it, somebody, especially a child, and, and in the case in this film, we have to be on, on points. Um, and a lot of the, the, the money and the focus is going in there. When you're bringing live guns on set, there's only one or two reasons you want to do that. There's ego and the idea that nobody makes that gun. In this case, it looks like to me that it was a Uberti, which is one of the best handguns, firearms that you can buy if you want an 1874 Cattleman, um, if you want a dovetail, if you want things, or dove handle, if you want things that look the part, right, of these guns that essentially won the West, right? Right, right. It, but in this particular case, you don't have to chamber 45 caliber bullets. You know, you wouldn't even have had a 45 caliber bullet at that point. But Uberti does make an 1874 that's 45 caliber. 45 caliber wasn't around in 1874, but at the same time, you have to be, you know, cognizant of the people that you're hiring. But if you go back to the original story, these people were drinking and firing off these guns the night before she's killed. Right. 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 So that, that had live ammo in it. There's, there's no... It doesn't matter if the production assistant was fired three times or, or who was involved in the set. At the end of the day, when the armor gets to the, the the first thing you have to do when you hand off that gun, regardless of you're an actor or not, it's, it's a three-step process. The person hands the firearm. Okay, production assistant or AD 
or um, will look at that firearm and he will go through the chambers of that gun to make sure nothing is lodged. Uh, case in point, the crow, right? The crow was not hit by a bullet. That's a common misconception. He was hit by residue buildup inside the barrel based on blanks. And oh, there was wow. enough power to get through that stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's the common misconception on set, right? You have to look at the barrel, and you're cleaning those barrels constantly. That is your job. That is your only job. And nobody else has access to those firearms. You don't have a targeting practice at night with guns. You, know, you just don't do that. Even if you're in New Mexico yes. or, or Texas or yeah. whatever, you know, you treat every gun, whether it's a cap gun or a real gun, as it's loaded, right? It's the number one rule in gun safety. Every gun we is preach loaded, it all the time, never pointed at anyone. Exactly. And if you see most people are getting killed by their own firearms, it's because of these things. It's because of they've got the wrong holster, right? I see a lot of people with these suede, flabby holsters, and, you know, they're at the gun range. I'm like, why do you have that holster? You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, it's a level of, of education that we can bring to the set, too. Like, hey, even when we were doing the Elsa Lemp film, which is finally premiering this year, we had the actual gun that was used in the suicide wow. or murder of Elsa Lemp. Yes, and we could, we'd love to bring that out to you guys and show it to you. It's a 32, uh, 19, it's a 1911, so the, the year it was made was 1911. It's not a 1911, our favorite gun, but it's a 1911 <laughs> Colt positive lock revolver. So we have that gun, but even when it was on set, there was no ammunition, but even though we didn't have ammunition, we still did the three-step process where you're looking through the chamber, the actor sees it, the production sees it, everybody sees it. This gun is not loaded. It is on camera, and you have those files. This negligence costs somebody's life, and I believe it should cost some of Alec Baldwin's life. I believe that, too. Frankie Gambaletta is our uh, is our guest. He's an executive producer and owner of Shift Films. Um, you know, this, uh, this movie set was remote, and so, as I understand it, you know, at nighttime when you're not shooting something like, you know, filming something, you know, you got to pass the time with something, right? Um, and yeah. the fact that they're using the firearms that were in the movie or meant for the movie for recreational purposes, uh, it shocks me. But this is a year-old story now. And right after it broke, if you if you remember seeing John Schneider, Bo Duke of Dukes and Hazard, uh, he was on network news and, you know, they, they got him. You know, he was a good get. But he, he was able to show with uh, simple free software on an app how he could shoot a gun with, you know, with flash and, and sound and everything out at the end of his finger. Um, and he was on a bunch of different morning shows talking about that. And just lately, I haven't I haven't watched any Mission Impossibles with Tom Cruise, but just lately I started diving into some of those. The amount of firepower that is going on in some of these movies are they are they using real firearms or are are they using trick photography? So today, it's it's a lot of it's done in post. Um, when you're seeing explosions, I mean, it's very controlled. When you have high budgets, anything really that Tom Cruise puts money on or puts his face on, um, is I've heard, I've never been on one, so I can't speak to it, but I've heard that they're very clean sets, which means that yeah. everything's in a controlled environment. Um, when you're doing anything low budget, the first thing you should have done was <laughs> look to put your money where people can possibly get injured, right? And you look at location, you look at scouting, you look at all those things, you look at degrees, you look at how hot is it, how cold is it, you know, where are my actors staying, where, where are their trailers at? You know, all these things are factors. But when you look at it from any kind of film, I mean, I know Dwayne Johnson or The Rock or whatever the hell he wants to go by today, the Adam, the Black Adam. Um, <laughs> right, no, anyway, um, so, 
when you look at it, what he said is that I don't I don't disagree with what he's saying. But the biggest problem is he's not a method actor. Okay, and as much as Alec Baldwin has been political, Alec Baldwin is a phenomenal actor. He's done some great work in his career, and I'm pretty sure that um, although his his trust was put in the wrong people um, with that firearm. When you're an actor, when you're a method actor, when you're a character actor, when you're a Christian Bale or something like that, you're wanting the real stuff. So to get into that mindset of being in a particular film like this one, you're wanting the real weight of that gun. You're wanting what it really felt like, right? Because you need to get to it. Um, so there's no problem with having all of that. Um, with dulled with dulled sensors within it or hollow barrels, you know, when you're when you're taking a hollow barrel, you're filling it with lead and stuff like that. But most blank guns need some kind of uh, release out, or it's going to backfire, right? Because it's still gunpowder, so it's still dangerous. I mean, if you put a blank, and I'm sure you've addressed this on your show, but if you put a blank to somebody's head, you can kill them. Yes, because um, it's the pressure, right? That's what really kills people is the pressure of the bullet coming at you is what's going to kill you. Um, the bullet just does the visceral damage. But anytime you're within those close proximities and stuff like that. So, yeah, when you look at movies like Mission Impossible, that's all post-production. That's all great sound effects. That's all great graphics and visual effects. You, you know, you're having people that might spit off, but there is some practical effects to it. Um, they might have stuff in the wall that are tiny mini explosions that are just going to go ding, 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 and it's going to go off behind you. Um, in the Fableman's, uh, um, the Steven Spielberg's uh, recent film, which is a beautiful film, uh, aside from Seth Rogen. Um, but so there's a part where this kid is you know, a young filmmaker, um, and there's these bullets going off behind these kids, and it, it's amazing how he was able to pull that off, right, using firecrackers and using certain things um, or just wisps of smoke. So there's a lot of tricks in Hollywood, which they call Hollywood magic, that's done today that prevents that. I mean, every Marvel screen, every time you see a superhero movie, about 80% of it's green screen. So they're not really at any of those, which is kind they're of not sad. In space? You know? like, yeah. Oh, come on. No, yeah. they're not in space. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, today, I mean, but if you're trying for that real look and you're getting, you know, tell you you're getting macro shots. So macro shot is when I'm I'm going into something that, you know, anywhere from 200 millimeter, right? I'm I'm actually I can actually see a bullet being chambered. I can see a bullet being released from the barrel. If I'm going in at 200 millimeter from a cinematographer, I'm gonna want the real thing, right? And to have computer animation do that and CSI when you get into like any kind of like graphics, that's gonna blow your budget through the roof. It's it's going to make it so much so much more expensive. So is it easier to take a real gun and shoot it with a, either a you know um, a slow motion camera or a two hundred millimeter? It, yeah, it's a lot easier. It's a lot cheaper. Sure. But without a controlled environment, somebody can get killed. Yeah, I'll bet. So so Frankie, let me, let me ask what in the years since this has happened in the industry yeah. has anything changed? What are you reading? you know, things that you, you would have access to industry publications, things like that ha have changes been made to ensure this doesn't happen again, or were those safeguards ever always already there and simply ignored in this case? So I think it's, I think it's the latter, right? It's, it's the fact that it's ignored because if you look at how many films Clint Eastwood was in when it yes. dealt with Western weaponry and nobody died, you know, right. it's, it, the recipe is there whether you choose to use an ingredient or not is, is fatal. Okay. So I, I don't think that Hollywood is to blame for this at all. I don't think there should be, I don't agree with the rock where 
you need tougher restrictions. You need the right people for the right job. Yes. And I think that you, anytime you're dealing with, you know, uh, expensive or, or any kind of like weapon, I mean, it, you know, the thing that we deal with is classic cars, right? So we, we give cars to movies, right? But that comes with a huge $4.4 million you know, insurance policy that we have to carry for each one of our classic cars. That are, Even if it's in the background, if I have a 69 Chevelle in the background and I don't have the parking bright, right, it rolls down and kills an actor, guess whose fault that is, right? So you have to... And that's the reason... Yeah, and and that's the reason you have the emergency crews on set, just like on the film you're uh, working on right now. So anything could happen, yeah. not even just a fire, you know, a gun uh, a gunfire incident. Um, but anyway, yeah. we do need to wrap up this segment, uh, Frankie. But man, explained it so well. Thank you so much for joining us. And I guess you know, there's probably odds in Vegas on whether uh, Alec Baldwin will be in a jail cell at some point or not. Is he gonna uh, have a lot on. of community service? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, I bet so. <laughs> that seems a lot more likely. Frankie, thank you. We'll get you in studio next time. Yeah, definitely, man. I'll bring up the stuff for Elsa. Excellent. We'll do it then. Thank you. Frankie Campbelletta there, executive right. uh, producer, owner of Shift Films, and uh, great great to get him on here again. Coming up, um, I don't know, but that Bo Matthews is out in his hot tub a lot, I understand. He kind of lives in the woods. Ever seen a mountain <laughs> lion out there, uh, Bo? Uh, no, but my cat Orange is a lot like a mountain lion. Okay, well, apparently people have been spotting them, uh, and it's all the talk. And we're going to find out from the Missouri Department of Conservation just how many there might be and whether you ought to be concerned. Coming up. Now I'm going to be singing that song the rest of the day. Thank you, Carl <laughs> Middleman. You're welcome. Second Amendment Radio in the Great Outdoors. Uh, one of the big stories this week out of the region has been the sighting of a mountain lion that was apparently injured down in uh, Franklin County. Uh, out in Franklin County, maybe I should say. And that shocked a lot of people. Well, apparently it's a little more common than you think. News Channel 5 covered it. Listen to part of their story. We know that mountain lion was hit by a car right here off of Highway 100. We then know that the lion went somewhere off in this direction. But as far as where it went to after or if it's even still alive remains a mystery. I'm 65 years old and it's, I've been here all my life and I've never heard of a mountain lion. Randy Hake couldn't believe his ears after getting a phone call from his brother Monday night. He said uh, there was a mountain lion hit at the top of my driveway, which is... Hake came outside moments after it happened. I saw him laying on the road briefly, and then I saw him run down the road. The mountain lion ran away, and that's when the Missouri Department of Conservation ran toward it. There were several of us from the department that um, conducted a search on a field that was adjacent to the highway where it was hit. So they're still looking for that mountain lion, to the best of my knowledge. But we have Dan Zarlingo with us, media specialist on the St. Louis region for the Missouri Department of Conservation. Dan, let's talk about that lion. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? We're doing fine. Any any uh, any updates to that uh, story? Yeah. Well, so not a lot, really. Uh, just to kind of recap things a little bit. You know, we had that uh, had a mountain lion struck there in Franklin County. 
at uh, Highway T and Old 100. It's just north of Villa Ridge. This was two, uh, Monday night. And uh, agents got to the scene. By that time, the lion had already gotten up and uh, moved off. Uh, it was apparently stunned for quite a while and on the pavement for a bit, but was able to get up and run away. We did not find it. We searched that night. We searched again the next morning, which would have been uh, Tuesday morning, and we did not find it then either. So the status is right now, it appears that that animal was able to get up, move away from the scene, a good distance from the scene, beyond our range of being able to search for it. So it's still out would there you, somewhere, as far as we know. Dan, would you say that uh, that uh, these animals are, are are pack animals? I mean, shouldn't there be more than one? I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna see one, shouldn't you see a family of them or cubs or something like that? No, actually not. Mountain lions are pretty solitary, so oh. uh, they do not run in packs or groups or anything like that. Now, if it was a female, would have cubs. Yeah, she'd be around her cubs, but. As far as uh, you know, being in a group, so just because you see one does not mean you're going to see another. It's not like deer; um, they're pretty uh, pretty uncommon in the state. Um, we have so we we keep a track of all confirmed mountain lion sightings. Confirmed means we actually have evidence, photo, fur, body, or something like that. And uh, since 1994, so we're talking about like one on 30 years, we've had right around 100 sightings that were confirmed, and that's statewide. If we look just specifically in the St. Louis region, uh, which is St. Louis and the surrounding counties, our first sighting came in 2011. It was a game cam in Chesterfield that captured one. We had one struck in on the road on I-70 in 2017, and then wow. we have this one. So that's three in about, what is that, 11 years. So about once every six years, we're averaging it so far. So, so that's how common they are. So, Dan, I, I have to ask, do you get false alarms? When I mentioned this on my radio show this past week, the phones rang off the hook. And uh, I, mm-hmm. one lady who answered, lives down in Jefferson County, said they spotted one sunning itself in their neighbor's backyard, called the Missouri Department of Conservation, mm-hmm. who didn't they, they said didn't take them seriously at first, but came to the house and physically saw it. That would have been about... 15 years ago, roughly? It's it's what she told me on the radio. Regardless, do you get false alarms? Uh, People think they see a mountain lion, but it's not? Yeah, we we do, and that's most of the reports end up being false alarms. Um, Because it's very easy, and you'd be surprised what people have false alarms over. Sometimes it's dogs, sometimes it's domestic cats. Uh, Once in a while, it could be a bobcat. And so one of the things that we do, like especially with photographs, we get a photograph, it's blurry, it looks like it might be an outline, maybe not, we don't know. What we'll do is we'll go to the scene, uh, and we actually have a mountain lion response team that, that's trained in, in investigating mountain lion sightings, Ooh, and they'll go to the scene. That sounds cool. It is, <laughs> yeah. And, and they, have, they have actually have cardboard cutouts that are life-size cutouts of a bobcat, a domestic cat, a mountain lion, different things. And they will put that They'll look, first of all, they'll look at the photograph and the site to confirm that it is indeed taken on that site. Uh, and secondly, they'll put that mock-up animal in the same spot and try to see to compare the size. And, and it's very easy, even as a large house cat can be mistaken. If you're at a distance, the lighting isn't good, the angle isn't right, you know, your imagination is getting a little wild with you, you can mistake a lot of things for a mountain lion. So... Most of them are, are false alarms, but obviously we do have some that are confirmed. And the incidence of overall statewide of mountain lion confirmations does seem to be increasing over the years. 
Well, we got uh, Dan Zarlinga is our guest from the Missouri Department of Conservation. And, you know, a quick Google search says that uh, the mountain lion is rare in Missouri. It was extirpated. Never heard of the word, but I looked it up. Means uh, they pretty much uh, intentionally got rid of them back in the 1920s, so 100 years ago. Uh, So my question for you, Dan, what would be a neighboring state that would be uh, a natural environment for a mountain lion? I mean, I know we're very cavernous here, a lot of hiding spots. Uh, but mm-hmm. would it be Can- would it be Kansas? Would it be Arkansas? So good question. Um, so we have been able to collect certain like when we've had a, like one struck on a road where we actually have the carcass, or we've had some hair. Uh, even been able to get some DNA from some prey kills, uh, even. And the DNA that we've gotten seems to suggest that all the mountain lions are coming from places out west, like uh, South Dakota, Wyoming, Colorado. And it's um, not unusual for young males, and they've all, except for one instance, all the DNA we've been able to collect has been male, okay? Um, it's not unusual for when young males come of age that the established older males kick them out, and they've got to go looking for territory and looking for mates. And they can roam for hundreds or even a 1,000 miles doing that. And so a lot of them, the ones that we're seeing, tend to seem to be those males that are wandering around just looking for mates and territory and coming through, St. Uh, not St. Louis, but Missouri, and uh, oftentimes following river corridors and things like that. So that's sort of what our data is suggesting. Now, I did say one female. We had uh, a couple of years ago, we had a, a predated elk in Shannon County, <laughs> that we were able to get some DNA from, it was obviously had all the signs of a mountain lion kill, and they do have very distinct signs in the way they kill their prey. And we were able to get that analyzed and found that it was a female. So that is does prove that at least at one point, at that point in time, there was a female in the state. That doesn't mean anything else, though, for sure. And all the other ones we have gotten DNA on uh, have been male. Now, obviously, if you have a photograph, you can't tell. But if we've had hair or some kind of genetic sample, we've been able to determine it's always been a male except for that one case. Wow. So they're mostly, are they mostly nocturnal? And the reason I ask is, when I saw that picture of that mountain lion in Franklin County, and I'm thinking to myself, and I deer hunt in Warren County, and I'm out there walking through the woods at 5 in the morning to get to my tree stand, that made the hair stand up on the back of my neck when I saw the size of that lion in Franklin County. Yeah, so they do tend to be more nocturnal. Yeah. They do, yeah. uh, and uh, that's not to say they might not be out in the daytime, but they, they tend to be more skewed toward nocturnal activities. Um, they're very solitary. Uh, they like to actually avoid any kind of crowded human spaces. They don't typically want to be in those kinds of spaces, um, so they're, they tend to keep to themselves into the more remote areas. Um, you know, is it possible you could encounter one? Well, of course, anything's possible. Um, the uh, is it possible it could be attacked? Well, yeah, anything's possible. But what's likely is, I mean, the likelihood statistically of getting attacked by a mountain lion is lower than getting attacked by wild dogs. So, you know, you're more in danger from wild dogs than you are from mountain lions, basically. Um, they, they tend to be biologically programmed to go after things like deer and elk and things like that. So humans aren't their typical uh, menu item. Um, but of course, that doesn't mean that you should be, you know, careless if you happen to see one. That's definitely treated with the respect it's due because it is a potentially dangerous animal. And definitely keep your distance and don't try to approach it or anything like that. 
Yeah, especially if it's injured. Dan Zarlinga from the Missouri Department of Conservation. Dave Glover just texted me and said, uh, how are we doing on the, the uh, Bigfoot sightings out there? Anything, any updates on that, buddy? Well, we've actually had more mountain lion sightings than Bigfoot, so. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I, I, I Glover. I doing better on the mountain lion sightings. So I got, you got more chance of seeing a mountain lion than you got of seeing Bigfoot. So that's well, so far what our data would suggest. Okay, so if I wanted to sign up, uh, is there an application process if I want to be on the mountain lion uh, recovery crew? Uh, that I don't know if we nope. have or not. Um, <laughs> we uh, it's kind of some. They, we actually have to send our staff out of state to get some training for that. So it's, it's okay. Kind of they, they, they trade and they they learn the signs on how to detect the prey kill. You know, from a mountain lion, the tracks and habits and biology and all that kind of stuff. They they get oh, educated they do a people dive into it. Yeah, so educated. educated people, I'm out. I'm out. Um, <laughs> well, I, I will. Educated. I will. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, I, I will say this much: that uh, it is always interesting when uh, anomalies happen. I, I would call this an anomaly because it's so rare, but uh, mm-hmm. it's still kind of freaky. Um, you know, we've got just a little bit here. Can I ask you about the the wild boar issue in the state of Missouri? Is it still creeping north, uh, or or not so much? Well, so yes, we had a real problem with wild, uh, wild boars and uh, feral hogs, whatever you want to call them. And uh, that was a, is a, it still is an issue in the state, and it was a really big one. But we have uh, joined a coalition of other natural resource agencies like Fish and Wildlife and USDA and, and, all, and some of those folks. And we've actually put the hurt to the wild uh, boar population quite a bit in Missouri. We've done some very systematic trapping and systematic elimination efforts. And those have been very successful. We haven't eliminated them from the state yet, but we've taken a huge dent in their population through these systematic and sustained efforts. And so we are wow. continuing that and hope to see better, even more success in the future. Well, I'll tell you what, I've been a huge fan for many years of uh, what you do at the Missouri Department of Con- Conservation. I, I would recommend anybody go to your site just for information, uh, whether it's uh, plant life or wildlife or fishing or you know different hunting seasons. Dan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it is is really always a, a pleasure to talk to you because you are so educated, unlike myself. So <laughs> thank you very much. We'll, we'll, we'll get you on again, okay? Yeah, we'll, we'll get you. We'll get you on again. Yep, Thanks, absolutely. Dan Zarlinga from the Missouri Department of Conservation. For Mark Cox, I'm Bo Matthews, and Carl Middleman, our executive producer. Please share the show, Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors, to anybody that you think would enjoy this type of content. Have a great weekend. See you, boys. Get more at 971talk.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 